Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, a life and well-being coach for women, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Today, we're diving into the extraordinary world of holistic living in our new series, Holistic Living, Embracing Wholeness in Everyday Life. Holistic living is not some fancy buzzword. It's like coming home to yourself, body, mind, heart, and soul. Imagine showing up for yourself in every way possible, like you're your own best friend, therapist, chef, and personal cheerleader. It's about nurturing all those parts of you that make you, well, you. Now wholeness, that's where the magic sparkles. It's embracing your stories, your scars, your stumbles, and your soaring moments, and realizing they're all essential brushstrokes that create your masterpiece. You're not a puzzle with pieces missing. You're a tapestry woven from the threads of your experiences. Holistic living isn't about adding more to your plate. It's about savoring every bite, every breath, every precious moment. So prepare to unlock the doors of your heart and mind, inviting in a world filled with love, connection, and profound insights. So I'm going to introduce my guest, and I'm really excited to have Shay here today. Shay Sparks is an energetic catalyst and fearless communicator who sparks leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. Through her renowned Spark Your Alpha program, Shay's audiences and clients experience more confidence, amplified emotional intelligence, and the spark that ignites their fearless action. Welcome, Shay. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, Cindy, I'm so excited to have to be here. And what an amazing series you're having. The holistic. It sounds fantastic. Thank you. I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I I took a break during the summer. And when I came back, I was really thinking about, you know, what my next series would be. And I, I thought, okay, all around holistic living, and just really inviting the, our listeners to maybe hear something they haven't heard before, and take mm. action with it. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start off with my favorite question. And that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally <laughs> or in your business? Mm, well, to me, personal and professional go hand in hand. The more I heal in my personal life, the more my professional life just amplifies. So the seasons of life to me, um, I've been through many, uh, it means that to me that there's uh, transitions, right? That there's ebbs and flows, but there's really about kind of, um, my friend calls it the uh, imaginal stage in life where we go, we're caterpillar and we go into the cocoon and we come out a butterfly. And I believe we do, we can do that several times throughout our, our lifetime. It's not just a one and done and we become this beautiful butterfly. No, I think sometimes our butterflies become different butterflies um, depending on the season of life that we're in. And I know for my own life, I have overcome so many different adversities and, you know, came out one butterfly with each one of those. And then, you know, was able to, you know, it's, it's a constant transition. It seems like every year or every few years or something is shifting, changing, evolving. 
And in my business, it's evolving right now. Last year, personally, I moved across the country. And so to be able to to look back and see my own transformation, I can see and tell with others, my definitely my coaching clients, where they have, you know, transformed into a different butterfly each time. So for me, that's that's what seasons of life means. Yeah, I, I love that, Shay, so much. And and the idea that you moved, you know, across country, you know, that in itself is such a huge season of life. I mean, mm -hmm. everything from the from the packing and, you know, selling, you, you know, a home one place and moving mm -hmm. to another. Oh, yeah. And I retired, quote unquote, retired from one business that I had done 29 years. I mean, I'm only 30, but I don't know how that works. You know how math works. But <laughs> um, yeah, but really, it was uh, a huge uh, grieving process when thinking about, okay, what is it that I really want to do next? And I need to grieve where I'm at right now, as well as celebrate what I'm where I'm going. And I really appreciate that you you brought that up about how sometimes in these different seasons, well, in most of them, we go through a grieving process. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think all of them, we go through a little bit of grieving process because the identity of who we've been is is disappearing. And part of us is like, I don't want to lose that part. And And honestly, we don't technically lose it. But it just shifts and molds into, you know, like we're a piece of clay. It molds into a different piece of pottery. And it is, you know, part of the process of shedding that cocoon, I believe, is the grieving process. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, can you just talk a little bit more about your background and your journey into the world of personal development and coaching? Oh, yeah. So uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I myself, about um, 2009, I was able to get out of an abusive relationship. And er, during that process, I started to really peel away the layers and heal of the onion that I am, that we all are during this. And it was just such a an eye-opening awareness experience. I immediately started going to Christian counseling, started reading books, listened to different podcasts, really focusing on for many, many, many things, but really focusing on the healing journey of me. I had grown up in a house that was unloving, um, unnurturing, and I went into a relationship just like that. And it was you know, amplified to the nth degree, but it was definitely very familiar. And so I had to retrain my own thought process, my own brain of the things that I had been told my whole life that then he told me as well that I believed about myself. And so one of the things that um, really helped me was journaling. And I started to capture my own thoughts, like really understand that my voice in my head, that inner voice that we all have was not helping me and propelling me. It was holding me back and hurting me. And so I just started a, a brain dump is what I call it and write down all of the negative things that I would say to myself. And let me just tell you, those are awful 
right? I think most of us have this where we do it, but unless we capture our thoughts and actually write them down, we don't even realize we're doing it. We just kind of live life on autopilot. And so I was making sure that I was really focusing on what it is that I'm saying to myself. And then how can I start to rewrite my own brainwaves, which I know we can. I had studied with a dean of psychology at a local university. Uh, she mentored me in mindfulness. And we really focused on the neuropathways in the brain and how when we step out of our comfort zone, we can make new ones. So when people say, oh, I'm, this is who I am and just this way, well, that's not true. We literally can make decisions based on uh, just by saying, I'm going to make a different choice. And we create new pathways and our, we start to shift, we start to change. And so I started to do that. And within the journaling, so after I saw the negativity of what I said to myself, I knew that we are a mirror of what we see. So I then started to think about all the people that I admire. I started researching billionaires and millionaires and successful leaders of all walks of life and just started to write the down the, the characteristics of what I admired in them. And then I wrote the two most powerful words in the English language before each one, I am and really started to create affirmations for each one of those and thought, well, wow, if, if we are a mirror and I am seeing this in them, then I have those qualities in me. And what if this is right? And everything I've been told um, my whole life by my family, by the ex-boyfriend is wrong. So I really started to focus on that so that I could then, um, again, go through this evolution of who I am and heal. And that created this amazing space to where I realized that I was emotionally unavailable to me, let alone another person. And it comes from only knowing emotionally unavailable people in my life. My my family was that way. My 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 brothers, my siblings, my, my, even my grandparent, um, and then this man that I was with. And so I was like, okay, I really need to focus on what it looks like to be emotionally available. And that in itself is super scary. It brings up all this fear of, oh my God, I have to be vulnerable. Oh my God, I can't even pronounce that word, right? At the time. And I just said, okay, well, what does it look like to be scared? and do it anyway? What does it look like to be be comfortable with being uncomfortable? And I just started to put myself in safe places like networking events and saying things like, hi, I'm new here. And that just by saying that is like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, when you say that you're new, most of the time there are people in the crowd that are like, oh my gosh, let me show you around. Let me connect you. You know, and those were the people that I really wanted to be connected to anyway, was the outgoing connectors. And then I started to do just different things for my own fun uh, to just, uh, the way I looked at it was now I'm dancing with life and how can I do something fun and, and uh, because, you know, after being in an abusive relationship where you're controlled, you don't even know what you like. 
And so I thought, well, what is it that I like? And so I took a improv class, a comedy improv class for a year. And it was just so much fun and so out of my comfort zone. And it was really not about being funny at all. <laughs> it's it's really about surrendering to the process and being able to dance with your your partners on stage and say yes and yes that you're an alien dropped into my living room and I am reacting to it rather than going oh it's no big deal and when I really that hit me in my face in a in a class that we were doing like oh my gosh, I'm not reacting to the things that are happening around me because I had been so used to conditioning myself to not poke the bear, so to speak, in my home, whether it was my dad or my brother or my um, boyfriend at the time. And I went, wow, what a profound learning lesson that I learned from improv class that I, it's okay to now start reacting um, rather than just responding because I had been living in that survival mode for most of my life. So Shay, that, that class, that improv class, is what you're saying, you really started feeling your feelings? You know, I would say probably not in that class. It wasn't, okay. it, was, it was before that I really started to sit with uh, what is it that I'm feeling? And um, it was during that vulnerability process. I was pushing feelings away my whole life. That's how we survived in my household. We didn't talk about feelings. We didn't have feelings. You know, it was uh, shut up or I'll give you something to cry about, you know, that type of thing. So it was stuff them down, whether it was food and, and in my teenage and early 20s, it was alcohol. And so I realized like, okay, I really need to just sit with these feelings and feel them and know that I'm going to be on okay on the other side. And that's really for me was where that key vulnerability piece was, was that I'm not going to die from feeling this sadness or this grief or this loneliness or this heartache. I'm not going to die and I'm gonna be okay. And it might take me a while, but I know there's another side to this. There's an, uh, uh, the other side to this. And so that's what really got me through as long, and my faith with during those hard times. I love that you asked that question. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, emotions, I'm just so in love with, you know, talking about our emotional well-being and feeling those feelings. So I was wondering where in that journey that you started like really sitting with those. And it sounds like the, the journaling part when you started becoming vulnerable is when that yeah. started happening. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, had I not done that, I don't think I would have the access uh, during improv class to understand what sadness felt like and stuff like that. However, I will say one of the great exercises we did in improv was called a character walk. And you walk in a circle or walk around the room, however a particular character that you come up with would walk and you you attach an emotion to it. So they would say, okay, walk in that person if you were mad or if you were sad 
or, you know, depressed or, you know, whatever, what emotion that would come up and um, feeling isolated. And so you would really get into character, which me let me then access the meme on a deeper level so that I could understand what my own process uh, was and how those feelings actually show up uh, for me in, during that, that exercise. Yeah, that's a great exercise. Yeah. Just, just to walk how you would think sadness would feel. Yeah. It's probably interesting what comes up. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Because, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, sadness might be considered tears, but it's posture and, um, you know, things like that. So it's a lot of of uh, the way that we carry ourselves in sadness, too. And we might not walk very fast. We might have a stomach ache. You know, it shows up in our bodies different ways. And I, you know, read books, uh, The Body Keeps Score, which is a whole nother uh, level of, of trauma uh, healing in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I just bought that book and have just started reading it. So I'm eager to dive in deeper on that one. As we're talking about emotions, now I know that NLP is part of your toolkit. Yes. So can you share some practical practical examples of how mm. NLP techniques can be used to help individuals, but also maybe just go into a little bit about what NLP is. Yeah, so an NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And basically what I said in the beginning about what being noticing what we say to ourselves. And I had written a book called How to Get Your Voice Back, and I didn't know that I didn't have formal training in it at all. But the, that example that I gave you was capturing your thoughts and noticing what you're saying to yourself and then finding the person you admire, looking at their characteristics and writing those down and then writing the two most powerful words, I am, in front of it. That is part of neuralistic programming. So when I wrote this book, I had no idea that it was very similar to what NLP is. Um, until I had several people tell me like, oh, this is based on NLP. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. And at the time I wrote the book, you know, NLP, when they would tell me about NLP, they would be, to me, I associated NLP with Tony Robbins. And, you know, not that he's a bad guy or anything. It just wasn't really, he didn't really vibe with me very well. And I went, well, that's really not something I'm interested in. And then one of my uh, Facebook friends actually just last year, uh, we reached out and we had a conversation and he was like, Shay, your book is definitely like NLP. And so um, he said, and I have, um, I went through this training. I think you would love it. So he referenced me to this or referred me to this training through Dr. Matt James uh, at Empowerment Inc. And I went through the practitioner level. And then just last June, I went through the master practitioner level of NLP and then um, it's also part of mental and emotional release and hypnosis. And the best way that I can explain to you uh, what NLP is, is being, like I said before, as rerouting those neuroplasticity in your brain so that you have a better outcome rather than a, uh, an outcome that you don't want. So one of the best things that you can do is reframe. For an example, 
let's say I don't want to do that, whatever that is, right? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do this project. So instead of saying, I don't want to do this project, you can catch yourself and go, God, I'm saying, I don't want to do this. And you can say, okay, what is it about this project that I like? Right. And you can say, I get to do this. So instead of, I don't want to, you, you reframe it as I get to. So instead of a, uh, being a hassle, uh, it's becoming a privilege, like how exciting I get to do this thing. And just by reframing your language and what you say, not only to yourself, but I highly recommend you saying these things out loud, even if it's to a, your your aunt, your pet in your house, it might be to the person in the mirror or it might be to someone else, in, in, but it could be just to yourself. It helps rewrite your brain. Um, I was quitting smoking many years ago and I had been hypnotized years before that to quit smoking and I ended up going back. But when I finally quit smoking, every time I saw a cigarette, whether it was in an ashtray, on the ground, on a commercial, in a movie, in uh, someone's hand, someone smoking, a car in front of me, smoke would come out, you know, whatever you, ways you saw it, I would literally say out loud, like, ew, that's disgusting. So that my brain was picking up and noticing how whenever I saw a cigarette or anything that looked resembled a cigarette, it reminded my brain that I don't want it. I just thought of something, I'm gonna use that because every time I think about going live on social media, it scares me. Sure. And so I'm going to change that around and say, I get to go live on social media. I'm gonna, yes, I'm you do, honey. That, <laughs> yes, you do, Cindy. You get to do lives on social media. How cool is that? Yeah, that that is fantastic. That whole reframing piece. So, can you talk about the NLP? And let's just talk about it in terms of confidence. Mm. You know, pe many people struggle with confidence and have confidence issues. So how would they use NLP to boost their confidence? I love this question. So confidence is, um, is not a, a, a destination. Confidence is a journey. And um, I think the more vulnerable you can be with yourself and really be honest and honor your feelings and what you're going through, then you get to make a different decision based on those feelings of how you want to show up. And even when it's scary, you can apply courage, apply, uh, apply some bravery. And once you apply some bravery to that and you do it, then you gain confidence. A lot of times we look at things as either a stretch, a risk, or a die. Like die being like, oh my God, I, can't, I would never in a million years be a public speaker. I would, some people, it's, I would never in a million years, you know, uh, get on an airplane. You know, whatever the thing is that you say, oh, that would kill me if I had to do that. Um, there's different levels of things out of our comfort zone. So when you take a risk, and this is all from my fearless living training that, uh, you know, I went through. So when you take a risk for the first time that's out of your comfort zone, the best way to look at it is to say, is this a stretch? Is this a risk or is this a die? 
And if it's a stretch, if it's a risk, what is the stretch that I can do first that will give me confidence because I did it, I accomplished it, I pat myself on the back and said, woohoo, I acknowledge myself for doing this. And then that will boost my confidence so then I can take that next step into the risk. If it's a die, you may have to take many little steps to be able to get to that risk, to be able to get to that die. And you may even have to go back and take many more um, because oftentimes we think, oh, we just have to jump in and immediately do the die. And that's not the case at all. We get to choose how we want to show up and make different decisions every single time so that it's just a tiny step towards that die. So it, that's why confidence is a, is a, is a journey. So you gain confidence all along the way just by doing little things and then acknowledging yourself for doing those little things and patting yourself on the back. I mean, you don't have to go out and be like, I'm bragging about me. Look what I did. But you can go, you know what? Good job. I did that. Look how far I've come. And when you do that, that really propels you into um, confidence, into a, a having more confidence. Yeah, the two things that really jumped out at me, Shay, as you were talking, is it's those tiny steps. It's it's just like you said, we don't have to jump feet first into something. Yeah. It's yeah. just taking those small steps and also the celebrating ourselves. Mm. As women in particular, I, I just don't think we do a good job of you know, high-fiving ourselves, giving us exactly. giving ourselves that credit. Exactly. I agree. A and men do it too. Uh, I work with a lot of veterans in um, military, and they are definitely not ones to, you know, pat themselves on the back. But uh, definitely as women, you know, well, society as general, I think we look at saying, you know, I did this thing, um, looks at like as a bragging or we're being arrogant. And if you're if you're not arrogant and you you come from the place of I can't believe I did this. I just want to share my win. Um then it's a different feel to it. I try to have wins Wednesday on um Facebook and social media and Instagram to really uh, give us space for people to highlight their wins because we oftentimes don't do it enough. Yeah. Now, do you have a Facebook group that people can join to participate in something like that? You know, that is, I do not have a Facebook group for that specifically. Um, but uh, if you follow me on Facebook, I, you know, I post stuff like that all the time. So. Okay. So one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in as well is you describe yourself as an energetic catalyst. Hmm. So what does that mean to you and how do you use that to, you know, in your approach to help your clients? So the catalyst part comes from being a, a change agent. Um, for me, uh, because I've gone through so much change over my lifetime, I feel like it, I, I help people really see that change isn't scary right? That it's, it's part of who we are. It's part of our uh, evolution. It's part of being able to be human is we get to change, you know, um, uh, whether it's the season of life um, in, in, you know, uh, 
having children at home to not having children at home or, or professional from one to another or, you know, whatever it is from one relationship to another, you know, change is, is, is always, is, is typically always scary. However, it, it doesn't have to be. There are tools out there. So for me, that's where the catalyst comes in. And then the energetic is, it's like, oh, so it's, it was about reframing, right? So talking about moving, it was like, oh, I have to pack. It was like, no, I get to pack. Yay. How exciting, right? I get to pack up all this stuff and go through it and decide what I take with me and what I don't. And, you know, I should have done this years ago, but, <laughs> but that's one of those things, you know, it's like the reframing part. So for me, it's about because I was not, uh, I didn't realize how most of my life until I got out of that abusive relationship. So by that time I was in my mid thirties, I had been just waiting to die. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't really any, um, anything for me to like be excited about to go forward. It was just through the mundane, the, the hamster wheel of life going, here we are, get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home. The same cycle every day, day in and day out. And so the energetic part comes in because once I started to heal, it was like I would wake up before my alarm went off, bouncing out of bed going, oh my gosh, what do I get to do today? Who do I get to meet? What conversation do I get to have? Where's this day going to take me? Like how exciting is this? And so I call myself the uh, self, the chief excitement officer of my business because of that reason. Like, oh my gosh, now I get to be excited about my life rather than just being like the uh, the doldrums, the whole hums kind of way of living. Um, so that's where the energetic piece comes in. Yeah, I love, I love, Shay, when we have these um, pieces in our bios or in our stories, like for, I'm going to use energetic catalyst, and that has such meaning. And then when we mm. express that to people, because sometimes people can see something and they don't quite understand what that means and then when it's explained it's like it makes perfect sense and you can't ever <laughs> think of it any other way now. Yeah, right right <laughs> right the emotional intelligence that's also a really important and significant part mm. of your work now you've talked about this and i so appreciate the the examples that you have given but can you talk about emotional inte intelligence and how that contributes to our not only personal growth, but professional growth. I love this question. So emotional intelligence or EQ, as it's called, is underrated. I will say that a lot of people will look at, oh, well, I'm smart. I have an IQ. And that's great. And if you are able to communicate effectively in your position, whether that is in your 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 personal life or your professional life, I am then great. Then you're probably doing well with emotional intelligence. But if you are feeling like one, you're not being understood or that you have a hard time understanding others, or there's always this like discord in your team, or there's a discord in your relationships at home, then let's look at the person that you can control you right? We can't control anyone else. So let's look at you. And for me, the catalyst of being aware of our emotions is then the next step is being able to communicate them. 
And uh, I've studied nonviolent communication, which is also an amazing, amazing book as well. And being able to communicate effectively, and that's where the fearless communication comes in, because, you know, our emotions are not just mad, sad, glad, right? They are deeper than that. They're, they're excitement, they're enthusiastic, but they're also um, isolated, despair. I feel uh, desperate, um, lonely, betrayed. Um, betrayed, unrecognized. You know, in a as a leader, a lot of times we 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 forget that our team wants to be recognized, right? So if a teammate can come to you and say, you know, I'm feeling some, even if they say I'm feeling some sort of way, uh, you because you haven't recognized me for my job well done, it's like okay, well let's talk about that, right? Let's look at you know what it takes for you to understand. For me to be, for you to be recognized. Now it's funny again because I work with the military. Some of them are like goff at that. They're like, oh, whatever. And yet, then there's also those really good leaders who are got it. So then, how do I find that out? And really, it's about being able to ask the right question. Mm-hmm. So, for an example that I I love, uh, and this is from nonviolent communication is. Whenever you're feeling some sort of way, uh, being able to identify it is going, okay, so what is it that I feel? Do I feel um, rejected? Do I feel not recognized? Do I feel um, betrayed in this moment? Ignored. Ignored's a huge one that we don't, oftentimes don't express. So then you would go to your, say, it's maybe it's your kids, your spouse, your parent, or your, you know, your boss or your team or your, you know, whoever. Uh, in your professional world and say, I feel ignored when you blank. Would you be willing to blank? And most of the time, it's just talk about it or talk it out. Or would you be willing to listen to me vent for a second? I just need to get this off my chest so that you know where I'm coming from. And when you put the communication in that type of ebb and flow, it allows the receiver to not take it personally because it's not them. It's not about them. It's about you. So the emotional intelligence, oh, and I got the chills. The emotional intelligence piece that I do is about the awareness of ourself so that we can understand that we can control us and we can control how we communicate with others around us so that then we can get at least ourselves expressed enough that we may not have to have a different result. We may not have something quote unquote fixed. We may just have to express it so that it clears. It clears our, our energy. It clears our head. It gets out of our, our way of thinking. And um, just by using that kind of ebb and flow, that kind of uh if you will, a, a foundation for a conversation, it just brings everybody to a more cohesive and congruent conversation. Shay, I'm definitely going to have to look for that book because you said you were getting chills. I was getting chills as you were mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. it. So am I right when you, you go to someone and you say, you know, I, I feel, and then you're you're kind of providing the solution as well. Would you be willing? Is is that what you're doing? Would you be willing to listen to me? 
Would you be willing to sit with me while I vent? So you're almost also asking for something and then asking for what you need. So that's where the vulnerability part comes in, right? Is asking for what you need. Where I'm guaranteed probably most of us in society has never learned because we weren't taught with it from our parents to ask for what we need, right? Yes. And yet, think about it this way. If you, one, ask for what you need, then you're able to say, okay, I I just, here's the thing, like, I'm just going to make something up. Uh, I'm feeling ignored when you don't take the, do the dishwasher, when you don't take the dishes out of the dishwasher, right? Would you be willing to pay attention and take the dishes out of the dishwasher? Or would you be willing if I ask you and say, hey, would you take the willing, would you take the the dishes out of the dishwasher? Would you be okay with that? You know, that opens up a dialogue rather than pointing fingers. When you say, you don't take the dishwasher, dishes out of the dishwasher for me, guess what? A wall goes up, immense emotions rise, immediately you go into fight mode. Uh, our brain goes into fight, fright, or freeze, right? So that's how the fear shows up. So immediately people get offended um, or on guard. And so you really want to preface it that it's about you. You're feeling some sort of way when they're not doing something. So now you have to ask for what it is that you really need. And ex another example is one of my clients. She was feeling totally invisible, invisible, lost, ignored, unloved. Now, mind you, she has a husband and seven or nine children. I cannot remember. And she said, I feel unloved. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. You feel unloved. <laughs> and now mind you, she's also a friend of mine. So I can say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I said, you're feeling unloved and you're in a house full of people who love you. And she said, how do you know they love me? I go, cause you birthed them. Of course they love you. They automatically love you. And I said, all you have to do is reach out and hug one. Like as they're running by, just grab one, hug them. And you will feel that connectiveness, that, that love that you've been longing for. And she said, oh my God, I could never do that. To her, that was a die. And oh, so, okay. I, right. And I said, okay, so let's back it up. Would you be at least willing to have that conversation of, of would it be okay if I hugged you? And she was like, oh my gosh, I have to ask for what I need. I go, yeah, I know. That's the that's when the really hard part comes in is, is that vulnerability piece comes in is being able to say, this is what I need. And I, a lot of times we may not even know what it is that we need. But once you have that conversation and the other person is reciprocal and open, let me, and safe, hear me say that because they need to be safe in an abusive situation. It goes nowhere to have these conversations, but then they're going to be receptive and go, you know what? Yeah, I hear you. What I'm hearing is that maybe you need a hug. If they're in a healthy space, they're going to respond to you, right? So absolutely. It's all about asking for what you need. And I'll, I'll put this caveat in there as well, not being attached to getting it. Mm -hmm. right? Not having an expectation that it's going to happen, but looking at from the standpoint of you were able to communicate for yourself. And that was the goal. That was the intention rather than me getting the thing that I need is the intention. 
Shay, I have to tell you that I am loving everything about this conversation. Mm -hmm. And as I was sitting down, and I do this before every episode, I write out my intention and kind of journal on what, what I'm hoping will come through. What I was hoping would come through was vulnerability. Mm. And, I, and I just can't believe that, the, that everything's just been lining up. <laughs> that that's been like the, a core topic. So mm. you didn't even know that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, as we're starting to wrap up, I, and I just have just a couple more questions that I really wanted to, to dive in with you today. So what are some valuable lessons, the most valuable lessons or insights you've gained from your own journey of personal and professional growth? What's coming up for me is it is when we learn something about ourselves, it's, or learn something about the world or how the world is, or maybe it's a, a new tool, or maybe it's even, um, we learn like uh, uh, how to do math. You know, when we learn something, we learn we it becomes knowledge. And then it's not until we express it or share it, then that is when it becomes. That's the process. It becomes wisdom. Mm. When we hold on to it, it's just knowledge living in our brain. In order to sh it become wisdom is when we share it. That is powerful. That's powerful. So what's next for you and your, and your coaching? I mean, do you have any projects or developments on the horizons that you would really like to share with our listeners today? Sure. I have a, um, I do take one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, so if anyone was interested in, feel free to, uh, email me at heyshay at shaysparks.com. Um, I'm always looking to connect with new people too. So you can always connect with me on social media. The new, pr newest project, I'll say this is, is how my, my podcast and my coaching are going to go more hand in hand. Um, my podcast is now called the power of investing in people and I'm changing it to the Shea Sparks show. And I will have then a, a segment, I'll have an interview and then I'll have a segment dedicated to sharing, sharing the wisdom, sharing uh, the nuggets, sharing the, the things that um, are really beneficial to the audience as well. So I'm really excited about that to see like how that's gonna go over, how that's gonna flow, how that's gonna grow and um, just, you know, seeing what happens next after that. I don't really have an intention on what happens next. I'm just allowing it to show up this time. Yeah. So you're going to be doing a, a full rebrand on your podcast then, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about your podcast. <laughs> How long have you had your podcast going? It'll be five years in November. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have over 200 episodes and it's just been, uh, it's by far, I mean, I love, I love having great conversations. So whether it's in coaching or whether it's on the podcast or, or uh, just over coffee is, is just fun for me. So it's just one of my favorite things to do. 
So go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, your website, every which way they can connect with you. I great, thank you. So like I mentioned before, you can email me at hey Shay, that's H E Y S H A at shaysparks.com and that's S H A S P A R K S dot com. And my website is shaysparks.com. You can listen to my podcast at shaysparkspodcast.com. And uh, it is called The Power of Investing in People podcast until the next month. And then it'll be called The Shea Sparks Show. And it'll be on all the platforms. And then feel free to connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube at uh, The Shea Sparks or Shea Sparks. And I will have all that in the show notes, but I have one final question for you. What would you thank your 18-year-old Shay for? I would thank her for not giving up. She's a little resistant, resilient little thing, and uh, she's a fighter. So I thank her for not giving up because believe me, at 18, there are moments of uh, suicide ideation that popped up. So I'm very happy she didn't give up. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Shay, for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Cindy. It was my, ple- my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am your host, Cindy McMillan, and my website is CynthiaMcMillan.com. Your support means the world to me, and I'm thrilled to have you as part of our podcast community. If you enjoyed what you heard, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, whether you're a loyal Apple podcast listener, a Spotify enthusiast, or use any other platform, your reviews make a huge difference. Not only do your reviews motivate me to keep creating great content, but they also help others discover the show and become part of our community. So please share your thoughts and feedback. I can't wait to hear from you. And as always, stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Until next time, take care and keep spreading those positive vibes.